0: Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life.
1: Welcome back to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I am John Shirky, here with my friend and co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, as always, great to see you today.
0: You as well, man. I had a kind of a crazy week traveling a little bit and coming back to this, you know, end of the week is always just a reset and a refresher to say, let's get back on the grind. Let's figure out where we're going for today for this week. And um, sometimes we need that, man. Like sometimes, you know, two days ago for me was just kind of a weird day. I was in a funk and yesterday touching base with you get kind of getting back to normal was really, really important. And I think sometimes we need that in our, day-to-day where it's like i'm i'm down i I don't know what's going on i kind of just floating and then oh this thing comes back and it resets your focus and your attention and and so the podcast is that for me touching base with you and kind of our group of friends is that for me um the stupid part is i don't reach out when those days are happening i kind of like go inward and if i would just reach out and um so but yeah always good to see you too
1: well, and that's a, you know, not to totally just lead into our interview conversation that we have today with Jake Thompson who's the chief encouragement officer for Compete Every Day, but he talks about that exact thing. Like, hey, when I have days I'm struggling, I don't want to do stuff, one, I got to put a process in place. I got to tell myself here, here are the three things, but then also I got to have people that are accountable and he talks about getting some skin in the game texting, it might be t- me texting you saying, Hey, I got to finish the editing of this podcast today. If I don't get it done, I'm sending you a $50 gift card to, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot or something that would be motivating, but we don't typically do that. We don't reach out. We don't say, Hey, I need some help or hold me accountable to this. Not even I need help just like, Hey, I'm not doing well, but you can help. by just knowing that I don't need you to yeah. do anything other than that.
0: No, no kidding, and and honestly, like I don't even think you got to say I need help. Like you said it yesterday when we talked. You're like, man, I didn't hear from you most of the day. Like, I was kind of like, is there something going on? Um, we know, like the community that we have, we know when those things are are going sideways. And if I if I send a text, like just, I'm just going to get good juice back. I'm going to get good stuff back from uh, the people that I care about and and want to engage with. And so I would just encourage you. Uh, listeners, when that's going on, like notice it, be aware of it and and reach out. And then like Jake talks about it, we'll get to in a second, like put some skin in the game so that you do it consistently, you know? Um, so,
1: yeah, that was an interesting challenge. I certainly haven't done that before. I certainly have reached out to people and said, Hey, hold me accountable to this, but taking that extra step. And, and even if it's, like you said, if, if it's a small thing, it it can help keep you accountable and and on the right track but in addition to that we get into a ton of stuff uh his business his brand um he's you know he talks about them being a media company they have a ton of good stuff go check them out we actually he created a a a code for us on his website if you guys go and order his book or a t-shirt they have really cool apparel Eyes Up Mindset, let him know that you heard about it here. He's going to send you something. He's going to give you 15% off. We'll put the link in our show notes, and we'll also tweet it out and send it out to you. But And then always remember, we're on social media as well. We are growing. It's a part of our business that is encouraging and uplifting for me because it is growing people every day and connecting people in a community through having difficult conversations and growing and getting better every day. So check us out on Facebook eyes Up mindset family. We're on Twitter so and Instagram eyes up mindset. So check us out there. We also have a YouTube page. This is a shout out to my brother. Cause he told me, Hey, I've never heard about that on the podcast. So Jason, if you don't go and watch our video now, you have no excuse. So eyes up mindset channel on YouTube, all of that stuff out of the way. Now, Jamie, tell us what we're talking about with Jake other than, kind of that um, accountability piece that we already touched on?
0: Well, he kind of goes into a ton of stuff that's just super aligned with who we are. You know, getting the right inputs, uh, putting yourself around the right people, building community through a variety of ways, holding yourself accountable. It's it's awesome stuff. And um, I was really encouraged coming out of it. And uh, I think you guys will be too.
1: Jake Thompson. Jake, thanks for joining the Eyes Up Mindset podcast today. Looking at all the titles that you could go by, I'm curious to know how you introduce yourself because it could be author, podcaster, entrepreneur, speaker,
2: yeah. How do you introduce yourself? Confusing. Uh, Jake? Uh, no, I, I mean, for the most part, I stick with kind of the title I, I self-appointed myself back on day one, which was Chief Encouragement Officer. I think everything kind of goes back to that one point because all I really want to do is is encourage people and help them figure out a way to lead better and achieve more, whether that's in their career, their workouts, their life. it It all kind of goes back to that. The other stuff just happens to be how I do it.
1: Nice. So, Tell us a little bit about your, your business, Compete Every Day. Our listeners are certainly aware of your stuff because we interact with it all the time and we share it all the time. But if they aren't aware somehow, tell us a little bit about Compete Every Day and what you guys are doing.
2: Yeah. So the brand honestly started as me peddling t-shirts in the trunk of my car back in 2011. I just thought I would be a motivational t-shirt brand and and that would be it. And then as the years were going and I started to realize, one, there's a lot of t-shirt companies out there. There's a lot of fighting for customer attention. What's our advantage? And our advantage was that brand message. We were for people who wanted to be great in some area of their life. And so for us, it was just, how do we keep telling that story? And for me, how can I continue to do that? And so Bob then weaved over the last almost 10 years, but today really it's, I look at us as a media company. We have the merch, we have the apparel, the flags, the wristbands, the, the daily reminders of what you're capable of. Uh, but like you guys talked about, we put out a ton of content, motivational content, podcasts, we try to dive deeper. And then I do a lot of speaking and, and workshops with companies uh, around how they apply that competitive mindset, probably not the way the, that people initially think. And so if you're not familiar with the brand, you're hearing this compete every day and you're like, oh yeah, oh man, I'm gonna whoop everybody. And, and for me, like, there's a piece of that that's incredibly valuable when it comes to sports and, and life. But the main focus is how are you gonna beat your own previous best? Because every one of us is in a competition every day against what we did and also what we're capable of doing.
0: Absolutely. You talk about competition being a chosen lifestyle and that it's a learned behavior, we might say, or a mindset company, we might say it's a shift in mindset. They're all the same language. We're just going to talk about it slightly differently. What do you, you you just touched on it briefly, but how do you talk about this is a lifestyle that you can learn?
2: Yeah, because honestly, it comes down to choices. I think at the end of the day, as you talked about mindset shift, it's about making intentional choices and and it's something you can learn about where you choose to focus. And focus being the biggest part for me when it comes to competition because you're either focusing on other people and losing the opportunity to ultimately do your best because if, if we're constantly staring at what everyone else is doing, we're looking all around us, we're unable to perform at our best at the work we can do, at the things we control every single day. And so for me, when I talk about shifting that focus to competition, it's really just looking at what you've done, looking at where you're trying to go and ask yourself, how are you going to do better today? What was your previous best in terms of focus? How were you the most locked in? What, where did you find yourself falling off from complacency or distractions or running down the rabbit hole of social media when you should have been doing the actual work that gets you to a better position? So really, it comes down to just learning to choose where you focus and, and choosing effectively with that. For a lot of us, it's a learning game. It's a constant trial and error. What did I do well? What did I didn't do well? but it's just like going to the gym. It's just like lifting weights. How strong am I now? How can I get better at this movement, better at this lift? But in the gym, a lot of times we write it down, we track it, we evaluate ourselves. We have a coach to help us prepare to get there. We follow a plan. And in life we like freewheeling half the time. We don't write it down. We don't have a coach. We don't have a plan, but we expect the same growth and results. And it just doesn't work that way.
0: Well, and that was my next question. What are the tools that you're using to make sure that you're making progress like you talk about in the gym we write it down we have a plan we have a coach how do you if that's completely foreign to us and other parts of our life how do you start to integrate some of those pieces
2: Yeah, what I usually recommend for a lot of people is is developing one, a strong morning routine and and two, honestly hiring a coach, which sounds crazy for a lot of people because they think coaches are for athletes and in sports or high level executives. And one of the things I've been encouraged by, are you guys familiar with Michael Lewis wrote the Blind Side Moneyball? So he runs a podcast called Against the Rules. uh, And his second season is all about the importance of coaches. And what I really appreciated about it is he talked about how every single person actually could benefit from a coach, whether it's a nutrition coach, a career coach, or even a life coach that gets the stigma that a motivational speaker does. But in reality, like you need that outside voice that has been there, that maybe is two to three steps ahead to say, listen, here's what didn't work for me. Here's are things you can start trying. And that's really it. Where are you from a starting point? you got to find someone that's been there, start asking questions, and then being willing to test and try. And a lot of that comes down with how you start your day. And so for me, that it's a wake up. It's a focus on what are the three most important things I have to do that day. Um, I used to use some different journals. Uh, BestSelf.co has a phenomenal one. Michael Hyatt has a phenomenal full focus journal. I needed something for me building momentum, having ADHD, uh, something that was simple. And so I kind of created my own that, that we're working on getting released kind of larger scale later. But it's what are my top priorities today? What do I really need to be focusing on? What can I consume from a positive content, whether it's listening to a podcast on the way to the gym, reading a book with coffee before I go out the door? And then attacking the day with that set schedule and i have accountability built in if i find myself struggling with man this project's not going anywhere i keep creating excuses or things to not get this work done i'll text two to three people in my circle that i know just say hey i've got to get this done i'm struggling here i need you to hold me accountable i need you to text me tonight or tomorrow and make sure i got it done or I'll send you 50 bucks or I'll send you a Starbucks card, like something that puts skin in the game for me and makes me stay accountable to getting it done when I know there's a struggle there. But the only reason I know to do that and I've done that is because I've had coaches in the past. I've tested and tried things. I figured out what works for me and what doesn't. And I just kind of double down on that.
1: I think the coach piece is a really important part of that. I, I don't know where as adults we learn that we don't need that anymore because <laughs> You think yeah. about it. We go through school. We have teachers, we have parents. If you're an athlete, if you're in theater, it doesn't matter. If you're involved in anything, you have someone who is, has experience coaching you, giving you guidance. And then all of a sudden we go graduate from college and it's like, ah, eh, we should be good now. Well, here's what I think
2: the problem is on that is in all, most all of those situations, school required. We have a teacher. It's It's forced quote upon us college. You have that teacher, you have that coach. You get out into your job you just assume your manager or next higher up is that person because that's how most things are structured unless you're going off like a lot of us we're we're building something new we're trying something there's no blueprint we know man i've got to hire somebody to help me a lot of times when we get into working we just kind of assume that the person ahead of us or maybe whose promotion we'll get is that person And, and i've seen it over and over and over again of just because they're a friendly person, just because they're nice, doesn't mean they're the person that needs to lead you. And I have a ton of friends that are now in leadership roles, managerial type positions, and they've never had a manager or a coach or someone pour into them. And so they don't know how to handle situations. And the conversation I had yesterday with one of them very specifically was there's an open position. She has to hire someone new. They have a person in the company that really wants that position, but does not have the experience, does not have the skill set. And so now the fear is like, well, if I go hire somebody from the outside, maybe this girl quits. Or if I hire her that's internal, she's not gonna be qualified. And I was like, well, that comes down to the girl internally needs to understand why she's not a good fit, but you also have to give her a plan to say, if you do this, if you build these skills, I can work with you here. You will be in position to get that next time. Like this is how you put yourself there. And if she doesn't do the work, she eliminates herself from the conversation. But, but most of us just get into spots where leadership roles, we assume people automatically know what they need to do or it's someone else. And, and there's no guide from the outside. Like we always had in sports like we always had in school. And so I think it's just the bad habit society's made of assuming the person in charge of you or you answer to is automatically that person. When in reality, people that wanna be high achievers, that wanna do a little bit more, that ultimately, whether it's in their career, or their life, they have to start looking for people that say, man, you do X, Y, and Z really well, or it looks like you do X, Y, and Z really well. How can I do that too? And sometimes that's a mental relationship, A lot of times I tell people like a mentor relationship, have a coffee, talk to once a quarter, but like a coach, you're talking every week or two and you need to put money in the game. Not that the coach needs to. I mean, coaching is a great business, but you need skin in the game to do the work because it's like a gym membership. When you pay 150 bucks for a personal trainer or a high-end membership, you go all the time. When you pay $20 for that gym membership that you can do at your own pace, nobody ever shows up. And that's why those companies, 24-hour whatever, make so much money off people that never walk in the gym because it's just automatic billing and there's no skin to get in the game and get coached.
1: I think that um, personal responsibility piece of that where you're saying, hey, you've got to seek out people that have those skills or those experiences that you want or that you need to grow and not just assume you're going to get them because they're, they're in a leadership position above you. I think that's a skill that most people don't have. We don't develop that. And I think it's getting worse, you know, because (laughs) everything is taken care of. And it's like, oh, this is what's expected of you. And you either do it or you don't. And then it's like, okay. But, and then I automatically progress,
2: right? Yes.
1: Of what, what personal responsibility, you know, I was just, we were interviewing for some mental health positions the other day. And I actually, in the interview, I flipped from being an interviewer to, Hey, you know what? You should be asking us some questions about our leadership style. What do you need from us? Like, what can you expect from us? And this kid was just like, what are you talking about? But there's that personal responsibility of go get what you want so you can continue to build toward the thing that you want to do eventually.
2: Yeah, and and I think, I mean, that's a common problem today. And and I know there's a ton of criticism on millennials and and younger generations for acting this way. And I I see it, but they were taught this method. And I think it wasn't done out of mean spirit. I think a lot of parents and, and advisors and teachers poured into these kids because they wanted the kids to have better situations, better lives than they did. And so they wanted to eliminate any challenges that they had. And, and the problem with that is those challenges are what made you who you are. Like you learn to overcome them. You learn to deal with things not going your way. You, you learn to deal with that. And you take personal responsibility in the moment of, I didn't do this. This is the situation and this is how I'm going to change it. And when, when kids have been just things pushed out of their way their entire life, snowplow parents, helicopter parents, you name it. They're not used to it. They're not used to having to take ownership of that, of change their situation, because somebody's always coming along to do it and, and nurture shock by um, Ashley Merriman and and uh, Poe Bronson that also wrote Top Doc, phenomenal look at that of of all these things that you think you should be doing, but here's what it looks like in the gr- in the grand scheme of things. And so, I had a conversation yesterday with a local sports psychologist, and we ultimately discussed that you know one of the biggest things that I'm passionate about is, is that lack of personal responsibility. Kid that doesn't rack their shopping cart, the person that doesn't clean up after themselves in a bathroom, like those are the things that drive me crazy because they're the ones that make the excuses about why they don't have certain successes. And, and I think when it comes down to it, the work y'all are doing um, and the work that I do and, and the work that some of the other people we talked about offline are doing is really we're helping the mental performance game, but really what we're helping you do is is shore up blind spots, build your self-awareness, and take more ownership for your life, understanding what's in your control, what's not, and then taking ownership of what you control. And, And I mean, honestly, that's the biggest thing I think the world needs today is more people that do that. Now, how do we do that? Just like we talked about off air, we keep networking connecting building each other up finding more people to pour into above us and and around us and below us in our careers so that more people take heed with this and and understand that not everyone's going to and and that's kind of okay not everyone wants to win the game either and and so the ones that do let's pour into them because they'll get out ahead
0: in your book you have a book called compete every day uh really enjoyed that challenged me to get better um but you talk about building your starting lineup and i And I think there's some really cool piece in there. I'm actually going to read a little bit of it. So if we float through life with the friendships we happen across, their proximity creates a feeling of convenience. And then I love this part. We choose convenience and comfort because many times what's best for us requires more effort in finding, creating, or cultivating those relationships. What's easiest for us isn't always what's best though. You can't only hang out with people who are comfortable and complacent and still expect to grow and succeed. I think that's such an amazing challenge. And it speaks to what you were just talking about. You have to surround yourself with quality people, quality inputs. You talk about nurture shock. You mentioned a few different people already because you're putting out kind of this juice to say, I need to look for these things to get better. I need to grow myself. Like after that quote, you talk about three types of people we want to seek out in our life. What are those type of people you, I think you just framed in a really awesome way.
2: Yeah. The, the encourager, the challenger and the reminder, And, and really it's the person that encourages you speaks life into you. You know, we, we vastly underestimate sometimes the power in our words and, and honestly being a person that just speaks life into others, encourages others, because for a lot of us, we forget certain things. We're We have blind spots everywhere. And so we don't realize what we do well sometimes. And sometimes when a person comes along, encourages us, tells us what we do well, tells us what we're capable of doing, it can change that trajectory. Uh, The challenger is the one that tells you what you need to hear and not necessarily what you want to hear. So when you step off course, when you get out of line, when you fail to live up to the standard you talk about, uh, they're going to challenge you because they have your best interest at heart, whereas the yes man, which is on the negative list, they just care about telling you what you want to hear because they want to be accepted. And ultimately that leads to ruin for both parties. The third and final one is just the reminder. Like, and, and I was fortunate to have that person in my life that I talked about in the book. But when you get off course, they speak life into you, they challenge you, but they, they remind you, this is who you say you wanna be. This is what you say you wanna do. You need to do it. You need to either change your lifestyle or change your goals. And you need those people to kind of help you because we all have those blind spots. We all have those things around us that, that if we wanna grow and get better, ultimately, if we just wanna succeed at a goal, regardless of whether if we have the desire to be better and reach our full potential. But if we set a goal and we actually want to achieve it, we need these people in our lives that are going to help us along the the way, speak truth. Because yeah, for a lot of us, like who, you know, we're new to a town, we get asked a happy hour after work, we go with coworkers, we start hanging out with all these people that are just around without ever without ever actually evaluating, are these the right type of people I need to hang out with that are making me better? Are these people like, the ones I really want to associate with or I want to go to for relationship advice or career advice. And so we have to stop and do that. And and a lot of us, it's just the convenience of who's already around us. The trouble quote unquote trouble it is to go find new friends as adults, because we don't have a playground. We don't have a class that we're automatically going to. But as I tell, you know, people I've talked to and coached in the past, like, what if you just gave up one vacation, like one long three day weekend, Instead of going to the beach, instead of going to this party or that, what if you went to a development conference? What if you're in sales, you went to a sales conference? What if you just went to somewhere where people that want to be better went and just networked and got to know them? And yeah, it's not the same as going to the pool or hanging out at this beach or the river, but you can still go to the pool, you can still eat out, you can network, but you can be around people who have that same desire and start to build relationships instead of just complaining that no one you hang out with wants to do this. No one you are around or know is wanting to get better. Put yourself somewhere that those people are trying to do the same thing.
0: That's really hard though. Like that's really hard, you know? and, And the same, the same thing is true about like cutting relationships with people that aren't, of a quality, you know, yeah. have you had any, I mean, you speak a little bit to it in the book, but any personal experience where you've been like, okay, this relationship is not good. Or I chose to go to do this thing. I went to a conference and I grew as a result of it. I made a relationship and and it changed. Yeah. You talk about some of the mentors you meet with regularly before we got on air you know, how, how does that stuff come about? I mean, man,
2: all over the place, honestly. Uh, you know, one of my mentors, I laugh, uh, a guy named Chris Brogan, big social media guy, especially early days of Twitter. He posted on Twitter in 2012, like, who can I help today? Just genuine requests. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing in e-commerce. We hopped on a call. He taught me about affiliate marketing and like a 20 minute call. He became a big fan of my brand and stuff. At a conference later that fall, he's keynoting. He literally calls me out from the stage, points at me in the audience. We hadn't even met in person yet. And he just, he knew me. We knew each other. I got to meet three or four other people at that event because Chris doing that for me, which cost him nothing. Um, Relationship wise, man, I think everybody's got a a dating relationship or story where it's like, "Mm, I probably should have cut that at some point. But what, I mean, I look back at it and really, I mean, the dating ones, you kind of have to cut right there, line in the sand, but friendships, it's not necessarily about like, hey, I can't hang out with you anymore, but it's less, it's more like I'm going to you less with questions and advice. And maybe I'm only seeing you once every six weeks for maybe a beer or something versus, hey, we should hang out like every weekend or man, I'm calling you, we're texting about everything every day. Because I want to invest that energy in some other places. It's not that I dislike you as a person, but, but essentially we're unevenly yoked. I'm trying to do things and level up and you just kind of want to do as is. And so at some point that relationship snaps, but instead of having the, the rough up front of where you're like, man, I'm going to tear this person up or like have to have a hard cut, you just slowly start to distance it. And, and it's like anything else. Life is a lot of slow fades. And our weight, we get in and out of shape on slow fades, intentionally or unintentionally. And the same goes with those relationships. And so you don't have to feel like you have to cut it on the spot. But what you have to do is start creating space in that relationship. And a lot of times it naturally falls off. And sometimes the person's like, hey, we used to hang out all the time. What happened? And then you have an opportunity to be that challenger and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to go and do this. I want to be more like this. And I don't feel like I'm getting that from this relationship. If you want more of that, if you want to be like, I'm all on board, come on, let's do it together. But if, if you're happy with as is, that's okay. I just want to go do other things. And the person may come at you and say, oh, you're too good for me now. And all of the crap that you hear, but you guys are mental performance coaches. It's about them internally. It's not about you. You have to do what's best for you in the big picture. And sometimes that's getting away from those negative relationships, either in a clean, slow pace or just having that upfront conversation of, I want you to be better. Come with me, do this. And if you don't, that's great. Go do your own thing.
1: So tell us a little bit about your, you have a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. You changed the name. I did. Which we're, we're a part of, but um, so was well, compete every day. Community and Community. now it's competitor nation. So tell me a little bit about the development of that Cause that's what we've been talking about here a little bit in terms of building relationships and, and putting people around you that are going to grow and stretch you every day. Yeah. Talk a little bit about like how you came about that and then how you've continued to grow it and, and make sure that it's growing in the right way.
2: Yeah. So to kind of give you a little bit of context is, is when the brand started really from 2000. 12, 13, 14, and 15, I was working trade shows, CrossFit competition, race marathons, fitness expos, 75 to 85% of the year on weekends. And so I'm intense in booths, talking to people, building relationships, getting to know people. So I built a really good offline relationship. People knew me, I knew them. And what I started to see is, is one, I just didn't have the engagement on our Facebook page like I did. And I wanted more community aspects. At the same time, Facebook kept changing, as they always do, their algorithms. But groups seem to be a better place because there's more interaction, more notifications. You're not missing things in there that you would anywhere else. And so I kind of just started it. And it started really small. And, and no kidding, for the first year and a half, like, I'm the only one posting in it. And I'm like, I, I got to quit this. Like, I got to stop doing this. Like, maybe I'm just going to quit it. And I just kept sticking with it, kept sticking with it. And then we started throwing in a little bit of challenges and some other things. And so then people started engaging with it a lot more. And really it's just a place where I know what social media is. It's a trap for a lot of us. It's a distraction for a lot of people. And so having the groups allows me to say, Hey, listen, bookmark this page, come in here, scroll what you want. Like it's only uplifting, optimistic content. You're either going to learn how to get better you're going to be motivated or reminded of what you need to be doing, and you can connect with other people who at least want to get better. So if you feel like you're the only person in your circle, this is a place to go and connect. And the reason we were Compete Everyday Community for so long, trying to be consistent with the brand, I just kept sticking of like, community's cool, but I think about like my neighborhood community, it's, it's very passive, and like, this is not a passive group of people. These are people who want to be great in some area or all areas of their life. And so Nation just kind of became that I need to redo it. I started using it on the podcast. I was like, oh, I really like this. And so we just kind of came up with a little symbol logo for it, threw it on there. And, and everyone seemed to respond really well. But but that was it. Is I just wanted to give somebody something they could identify with. And and a lot of people are like, "Eh, you know, I'm part of the compete everyday community, but you're like, man, I'm part of competitor nation just gives you a little more something to be proud of. And if you're proud of where you hang out, you want to invite other people that want the same thing and you can connect with those. So that's kind of the genesis was literally selfishly help us keep communicating with the people online. And now it's just it's fun for me to sit back and see other people post and talk about the things they're competing for and be amazed by some of the stuff we see uh, because there's a ton of people on there that are just quiet. They're in the group, they hang out, they just want to read and I'm okay with that because they'll send me an email and say, hey, listen, I'm not active on here. I don't really post, but I get on and read the stuff and get off. And so that I'm like, cool, we'll stay that place for you.
0: No, you I- talked I- about this idea of um, being proud of the community that you're a part of. Like and in, in being invested in that. And that then creates action. I think that's a great challenge. Like whatever you jump into, be proud of it. You know, whatever you're like, be invested in that thing, because at that point you're going to do more, you're going to get more, you're going to give more. And when you start giving, like the get back is way big. And I think that's the craziest paradox in our culture is like me, 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 me get, 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 get. Oh, then you start giving it away. And all of a sudden it starts coming back in bunches and we don't think about that, but be proud of what you're a part of. I think that's such a good word to, to kind of focus the whole conversation in some ways. Okay. Find mentors, find groups, engage in your community, but be proud of whatever it is you're doing. That's what competing is about in some ways. And so. um, Well, and and you hit the nail on the head right there with
2: something we talked about earlier. Like, when you feel proud of something, when you're invested in it, you're going to work harder, you're going to show up more. And so if we, we flash back from a leadership standpoint to my friend and her staff member, the staff member is just going to work every day, doesn't get the opportunity. If you have someone on your team that wants a promotion and, and they're just coming in, they don't really know what to do other than do their job every day, there's no investment. If a better opportunity comes, they're gone. But if they know, wow, this person has a plan for me. If I do these things, if I develop these skills, I can do what I want. Like there is something I'm invested in. And as coaches, leaders, team, like we don't ever think about that. Like our job as leaders is to help others build a plan to get to where they want to go. And we don't have to know every step and they don't have to know, but we've got to help them start to lay out the pieces of it then they become invested, then they pass up other opportunities because they're like, no, like these people value me. They care about me. They want to see me succeed. And that just is always what I go back to because coaches have told me is probably they told y'all and and you guys have seen in person, if you can get to a player's heart, you can get to a player's head. If you can get to an employee's heart, you can get to their head. If they know you care about them and getting to where they want to go in life, they're going to work harder for you. And that's all it comes down to from coaching and leadership is let them know you care and then help them develop the plan so that they know you want to see them succeed.
1: Jake, what's something, I mean, you obviously are in the content business and you likely consume a bunch of stuff. What's something that you is your go-to? Something that maybe you would recommend and you've already recommended a bunch of things. Yeah. What's your go-to as far as what's growing you and stretching you personally?
2: So I laugh that my bookshelf is is quite full. Um, so I have a couple I read and reread. Um, podcasts are a big one for me. Um, when I used to travel a ton driving, I'd do audiobooks because I'd be in there for a long time, but podcasts. And it's probably not the podcast you guys would expect because a lot of, there's some great podcasts in our space and, and I'll tune in and listen to some of them. But a lot of times when I listen to mental performance podcast or things like that, it's usually me researching a show I'm going to be on or someone sh- who's going to be on my show. And so I learn things from them because I want to reposition it. But for me, like, I actually really like Joe Rogan's podcast. And the reason I like his, even though it's crazy long, and I usually split up episodes and maybe get one in a week, is he, he gets on with people that he disagrees with which I will appreciate of how he handles disagreement, which I think we can all do better. The other thing is he's not talking to people in our space, but the stories and things they talk about can easily be applied to our space leadership development. If you look at it from the right lens. And so he's one that I really, really appreciate listening to the Michael. um, Oh my gosh. Just blanked on his name against the rules that we just talked about that wrote the blind side. Yeah. Michael Lewis's podcast. I enjoy James Altucher, um, has some good ones. Um, Malcolm Gladwell is a guy I'll listen to all day um, as well. And then reading, I try to mix up between nonfiction, personal development, mental development in our space and fiction because I just like the creativity of of being able to sit down and read a book before bed and not have my brain run. 50 million directions on implementation. So I, uh, I'm in the process. I got one chapter left of Trevor Moad's It Takes What It Takes, which is fantastic on neutral thinking. One of the better ones I think I've enjoyed and read lately. Um, and then a, a guy fiction wise, I read, which was terrible during COVID, but uh, two books by this guy, Paul Tremblay that wrote, Joe Rogan talked about that writes like horror stories and one's about a rabies pandemic and, and the other is about this like cabin at the end of the world both great books, but they gave me a mental refresh that if I go too long down one direction, I do that. Um, The other thing I try to do from a consumption standpoint is control a lot of that because it's really easy to get in the habit of constant consumption and never creation. And it's really hard sometimes when you're constantly consuming to think, well, I don't need to say this. I shouldn't talk about this because so-and-so already has. I've already read it. But in reality, as a, as a creator, you have to look at it and say, man, that's a great point. Like Trevor's stuff. It's funny reading Trevor's book. It reminds me a lot of the things I talk about with my, "win the next possession philosophy, like a lot of things he says, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is how I've talked about it with a little bit different angle. And so it reinforces it, but it also makes me look at how's he explaining this? How's he teaching this? How can I teach it differently? Like, this is already a concept I'm talking about. This is not something original that he's created. He's just put his spin on it. And so as creators, like that's what we have to look at is how are you guys doing a podcast? What do you do really well? What can I learn from it? How can I put my spin on it? And so that's one area that I think is really easy to do. And so that's kind of the not your traditional sports psych books, personal development books. I read those. I enjoy those. But a lot of it comes from spaces outside watching live sports, trying to figure out where those things come in so I can tell those stories in my tone
0: we are like kindred spirits my friend um i you're talking about i need to read fiction so that i can go and be creative i I try and write a lot myself and and i find that when i'm reading like self-help or like sports performance books or those sort of things like i feel exactly what you talk about i why would i write about this someone's already said it is it who cares you know like what's my voice in that space and then i go and read you know like Philip Pullman's The Subtle Knife or like the mm-hmm. his Dark Material series and it's like way out there crazy and all of a sudden I'm starting to think differently and to connect across platforms and I think that's a great piece of advice is you know don't feel like you're beholden to one idea one space you're going to get stuff just because your lens is open you know when you open that lens to get better you're going to see how somebody else is doing it it might not be at all related but it's still really cool cuz they're demonstrating their skill set that where they're excellent and uh and and you talked about i mean in in my
2: book one of the examples that i use almost every time i'm on stage is kevin hart has nothing to do with sports but talks about how he builds comedy sets and it's the perfect example of working the process of choosing progress over popularity of just showing up every day trying to get better and when i heard that like it was an immediate like oh my god this is a sports example but this is an example I can use and here's why it's a great teaching lesson and I got it because I'm just getting out of the bubble and trying to relate to what is in the bubble that that people know and want to know more about and so I think that's beneficial for us I think sometimes it's really easy to get that tunnel vision if I'm a coach I only read coaching manuals and like no man get out read something different like read a history book learn you know military strategy why did they do this talk about how it works here Something where you can relate because at the end of the day, you guys and, and me and, and other people are all, we're really trying to do the same things. We're teaching leadership development, mental performance, and, and we're ultimately, I tell people, it's like a conference. You go to a conference, there could be 15 speakers. Every one of them could give you the exact same takeaway, but the way they tell it, you may resonate with three. The other 12, it's just too clear over your head. You don't get it. You don't understand it. Other people will, but you don't. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to teach the same three to four things, but we're trying to tell it so many different ways that that way hits you differently than it hits this person. And so that's why it's so important, one, to create and and teach and talk and and then just be consistent, consistently working that message, working that angle over and over and over again from a variety of points.
1: I told you my background is mental health. You mentioned you have or had ADHD. Oh, I still do. The light bulb went off in my head, you know, uh, uh, about a month ago, we interviewed a few different um, guests and like, we had a, a run of pretty powerful business leaders, head football coach of a college, president of a college, you know, and they all identified and shared that they had ADHD as well. And, and I just think, you know, again, from a mental health perspective, so many people think of, oh, people have mental health issues or they have this diagnosis and that holds them back. I am a firm believer that it's about mindset and we can flip that to make it a strength. How have you dealt with it and, and how do you use it to your benefit? Because clearly, you know, it's working for you.
2: Uh, I mean, it, it has, but it hasn't a lot of times because I have the, you pair that with entrepreneurship and shiny object syndrome, you're chasing all sorts of things like, oh, this is going to work. Oh, that's going to work. My team's like, no, 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 back here, focus this way. And so for me, honestly, I think one of the biggest advantages is my mom's a teacher. Um, I grew up books in hand at an early age. She knew I had ADHD from a young age. I didn't know it till I was like after high school. Like I had no idea. I just thought I struggled with attention. Like when I would sit down and take tests, like I would study ahead of time, but I would take the test as fast as possible because if I had to pace myself, I was I would be lost by about halfway through. I'd be like, I'm I'm done with it. So I would sit down super hyper focused, short period of time, and then and then be done with it. And so as I got older and kind of learned more about what I had, I just had to figure out how to work effectively. And a lot of that is, and I'm blanking on the method, but it's like 20, 30 minute sprints, get out of the office, get away from the computer take a walk around the neighborhood, sit back down, do a little bit more work during that period. And then to set up boundaries of like having a whiteboard over here that says, what is the actual end goal? What are the three things I have to do every day? That's going to help me get to that position. Make sure I do those three things. And then what is anything else I need? Because if I didn't have that, I would just procrastinate and be all over the place working on things uh, of of all, which I've done, I've I've wasted time and and years doing that. And so for me, learning to deal with it is a matter of how do you build that morning ritual, that morning habit? How do I identify just two to three quick bites, easy things I can knock out every day that if I do every day will get me to that point and then worry about everything else if I'm locked in and if I'm not. And understanding days, and I was actually sitting down writing a post uh, earlier today because yesterday was that day, like brain was fogged could not concentrate, everything was a distraction, just did not have it. And, and so I was like, I've had those days before, some days I have to get up and speak, you get up and you do your job, cause that's your job, you do it the best of your ability. But days like yesterday where I'm at home, I just say, what's, what's one thing I can do today that's gonna help me for tomorrow? Do the one thing and then just get out of the office, quit feeling the pressure that I have to do everything, quit thinking I have to do everything go for a run, go hang out and give the dogs a walk, something to get me out of that space and understanding that's okay. That's just, my brain is not working the right way today. Um, I've never taken Ritalin. I kind of want to just some days, but <laughs> never, never taken anything. It's just been like one of the days that I need to say, I'm doing one thing to make sure I move forward so I don't take a loss for the day and then I can wipe it off. And then what are the days where I'm locked in and let's just knock everything out? and just balancing that process. If, if that hopefully answers your question, it's kind of been a trial and error over the last 10 years of of managing that stress and what works for me and what doesn't and, and trying to do more of what works and, and trying to learn more of what doesn't.
1: I appreciate you answering that. Yeah. And, and I think it does answer my question. And I think that's the, I mean, it's an incredible example of not allowing your situation to dictate, you know, how you move forward, how you grow and what you want to accomplish in your life. It's about putting processes in place going back to our conversation earlier, it's about putting people around you also that compliment you and can help support you in those things too. And, and I think it's just a, it's a powerful message. And I, I think it's, you know, one of outside of mental performance, mental health is, is an incredible passion of mine. And I think we all deal with it in some capacity. Yeah. So why not talk about it and, and let's, let's, let's work through it and figure out and stop using it as an excuse to, to not accomplish things.
2: Yeah. And what I would say is if you're listening and, and maybe you're fortunate that, that you don't have some of those same struggles, but you know, someone who does talk to them or, or talk to other people that do like, I, I know, you know, someone I dated struggled mightily with depression and how I want to help as a guy and a fixer is not how you deal with those situations. And so I learned pretty quick, but what I would do is, is I had mentors. I had people I knew that, that struggled with it. And I was just like, how do you like, how can someone help you when you're going through this? what's the best way to support someone in this situation? And the more you ask other people, the more you kind of see common threads and you can shift how you support that individual, whether it's in your office or your house. And so that's what I would say. If you're struggling one, you're not alone and and to be okay testing and trying processes and and what works for you. And if, if you know someone that's struggling from a mental health capacity, talk to them, but talk to other people that you can find that that struggle with those same things to see how you can best support that person, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, one of the, one of the most impactful things that i've encountered of your stuff, and I sent you a message after it it was a opening to one of your podcasts and it was like a eight minute monologue about like hey if you're struggling with this, if you're dealing with mental health stuff, just keep battling, keep fighting today and that's where i I love your 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 not your slogans i mean it's your lifestyle right it's compete and just keep competing because life is worth competing for. You say that a lot too. And yeah, I, I fully believe that. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing, you know, not only the business stuff, but, you know, we're really about how do we get to real stuff in our conversations. And, and I think you certainly did that for us today and, and certainly appreciate it.
2: Well, well, thank you one incredibly for, for that encouragement of, of that episode. I, I remember the one you're talking about and just the opportunity to sit and talk and hopefully add value to your listeners. I, I believe the, the reason that life is worth competing for line is, has been with me since day one is, is one from a mental health perspective. It breaks my heart when people give up early because we, you just never know when that next trajectory point's gonna be. Like it could be tomorrow, next week, next month, and and you never wanna give up too early on it. And and the other is that we get one life. Why why would we waste it settling? Why would we waste it wanting to be a victim? Why would we not just wanna try something? It's like me, give me a football, put me on the one yard line. I got 99 yards to go and I've got nobody in front of me. I'm gonna still go as hard and as fast as I can to get as far as I can. And maybe I break away and score a touchdown. Maybe I get 25 yards but man, you're going to have to drag me down or kill me to get me to stop. And that's how I feel like we should go after life. Even if we feel like we got 20 people bearing down on us running full speed, we still got to take it and run because we don't know when we're going to get that ball again or if we are.
0: Yeah. And in your book, you said, take that first ugly step because you might get to take a slightly better second one. And it's just great stuff. It's it's a big part of our motto is take a step today, get better today, find a way. And uh... what number episode is this for you guys? at 19 or 20. Okay. So when, when you
2: get to a hundred, go back and listen to episode one, you will cringe. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I cringe at mine and we're like 200 and something in and and you'll cringe at every, but that is the point. Take that step, start creating. You'll figure out how to make it better along the way. Five years from now, you will be like, Oh, how did anybody listen to me back then? Why did anybody buy a shirt with that on it? Oh my God. But then you're like, But I never would have gotten to here unless I started there. And so for everyone listening, like just like you said, take the step today.
1: Jake, thanks for coming on. Where can people find your stuff, interact with you online, order your book, all those things that I know they're going to go do right now after we're done? yeah best place compete
2: uh compete every day on any social media say hi tell tell me you heard about it on the eyes up mindset podcast and i will send you a little something if you want to order a book or a shirt so we'll actually just to make it easy we'll set up the code eyes up mindset uh we'll give you 15 percent off anything online so just use that reach out say hi compete awesome
1: stuff thank you sir a ton of good takeaways from our conversation with Jake today so much in there and i i like he said you never know what part is going to land with people so i am confident that you as a listener are going to be able to take something out of that i don't know what it is because it's different for all of us for me
0: personally it was this idea of the three types of people that we need to seek out challenger uh, encourager challenger reminder and Which of those people aren't a regular occurrence in your life? Which of those people do you kind of avoid because it's not comfortable? I'm actually pretty okay being challenged, but the reminder is hard for me. Someone to remind me of the things that I've said and like, hey, commit to this is sometimes really challenging for me. And so... Which of those people, the encourager, the challenger, the reminder, don't show up in your life often? And which of those do you
1: need to seek out? I think the other side of that that we didn't talk about that I think is maybe equally as important is what role do you play in other people's lives in those three areas? Identify Are you which one of those three things are you and be intentional about doing that for other people. Because living eyes up is about, yes, getting better every day for ourselves, but it's also about growing our community, pouring into one another. Grow, give, get better today, take a step. And as always, live eyes up.